0: Well, hello there, Social Work 7300 doctoral students. I need to tell you all that I'm sorry that I'm posting this rather late. It's uh, I'm recording this on a Friday afternoon. I will get it up as soon as I can. I'm going to keep this podcast lecture as short as I possibly can because I want you all to listen to it and kind of like take it in before we have class on Saturday. However, I'm going to also say that since I'm posting it so late, I realize that some of you might not actually get a chance to do that. But I hope that some, if not all of you do. So here's the one thing that we're going to be covering in today's podcast lecture. It's an idea that comes from Lacan, surprise, and it's something that I use a lot in my work with couples, even though it was, you know, something Lacan kind of thought of when he was working with individuals. What is this concept? This concept is that desire is always the desire of the other. Some say love, there is a burning thing. That it makes the fire ring Oh, but I know love as a fading thee just, just as fickle, just fickle as a feather in a stream See, honey, I saw love You see, it came to me It put its face up to my face So I could see Yeah, then I saw love Disfigure me into something I all right so now that the introduction music has kind of faded out let's talk about that let's talk about what that means desire is always the desire of the other so when i first heard this idea what I thought is that desire is always the desire of the other like capital O other meaning that it was uh, what we want isn't necessarily what we want it's what we've been taught to want and that's still I think a perfectly reasonable way to understand this particular aphorism that's one way that you could read it but it isn't the way that I read it now and it definitely is not the way that I read it when I'm working with couples so how do I read it when I'm working with couples so glad that you asked I will tell you But before I tell you, I'm going to actually review something real quick here. Well, it might not be real quick. I'm going to review something here. Let's review what repression is, how repression operates, all right, real, real fast, if we can. So we have desires, and some desires are desires that we're extremely aware of. They're things that we know that we want. So uh, a little bit ago, I was hungry, and so I, I, I wanted to go get something to eat but, uh, I, and I knew I wanted something that was kind of like, uh, sweet, right? I was looking for something like that. And, uh, I looked at the different options that existed in my house and I decided on, on something, right? So that's like a a conscious desire sort of thing that I I acted out. Another thing that might be an example of a conscious desire is, uh, the other day I had an appointment I needed to, to get to, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I was doing stuff and, I looked at my my watch and I realized it was later than I thought that it was. And I was like, oh, I got to get to this thing. So I needed to kind of like wrap up what I was doing and get to this thing. These are examples of conscious desires. They're things that I can think about. They're things that I know. They're things that I can act upon. All of that sort of stuff. However, we also have desires that we are unaware of. Which when I say this a lot of times, I teach about this in all sorts of different classes. MSW classes. I, teach, I taught you all about this in some of the first two classes that I had with you. A lot of times when I teach about this, people are like a little skeptical, you know, like, what do you mean? What do you mean we have desires that we aren't aware of? Well, what I mean is that, you know, our conscious desires are the desires that fit into the story. We want to tell ourselves about ourselves. You know, I like to tell myself that I'm a somewhat responsible person, somebody who, uh, it's a, you know, not being late to an appointment would correspond with that particular version of that story. And so, There you have my desire to not be late to my appointment, right? And so I kind of like sped up and wrapped up what I was doing and, you know, got in my car and went over to where I needed to go. That all fit within the story. But there are other desires, desires that don't fit into the version of ourselves that we want to tell ourselves. The version of ourselves that we want to uh, not only tell ourselves, but also kind of like tell others about ourselves as well. Our identity, right? The the part of ourselves that we present to the world. We have desires that that were we to consciously recognize that we desire these things, uh, we couldn't continue to tell ourselves the same story about ourselves that we're telling ourselves now. Uh, those sorts of desires, the desires that would wreck the story that we want to tell ourselves and others about us, those get repressed. When they get repressed, they reside in the unconscious. The unconscious, I will remind you, probably don't need to remind you, but I will remind you, is something that we don't have access to, right? We don't know what's going on in our unconscious. That's why it's unconscious as opposed to conscious or preconscious, right? It's the unconscious. It's the place where all of these things that we want, but we can't acknowledge that we want them because if we acknowledge that we want them, well, then we'd have to change the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. That's where they go, right? That's where they're at. Now, when they're repressed, let's keep in mind that these desires are in no way destroyed, right? They're They're not dead. They're not taken out there's still a part of us the unconscious is a part of us that has a mind of its own the mind of its own is comprised of all of these desires these things that we want but we can't actually know that we want them because if we knew that we wanted them we'd have to change our story i feel like i'm belaboring the point but it's an important point that's why i'm belaboring it go down in musical history frankly mr shankley i'm a sickening wreck i've got the 21st century breathing down my neck i must move fast you understand me i want to go down in celluloid history so just a moment ago I said that the unconscious is a part of us that has a mind of its own. Another way I could express that is that there's, there's there's our identity. That's the story about ourselves that we tell ourselves and that we try to portray to other people. That's our identity, right? And then there's this other version of ourself. This other version of ourself is the unconscious version. This other version is the part of us that has a mind of its own. And this mind of its own is sometimes not necessarily in alignment with our conscious mind. That's the other side of us, right? So when I say that desire is the desire of the other, what I'm saying is that our desires are the desires that come from our unconscious, from this other part of ourself that has a mind of its own. So how does that that apply to couples therapy? Uh, It applies to couples therapy because a lot of times what will happen when you're working with a couple is the two people will come in and they'll talk about their relationship and about each other, and about their communication, and a whole bunch of other things, right? And they'll tell you, you know, this is why I'm here. When they say that, or they they say sometimes this is why we are here. And maybe both sides of the couple agree, maybe they disagree. Regardless, each one of those two people has uh, a stated reason for coming to therapy. I find that stated reason is their conscious desire. But the desire, which is going to be important, I believe to their relationship with one another is their unconscious desire, the desire of the other, right? That's going to be the desire that I think usually they are probably acting upon in ways that are creating tension and other problems within their relationship. Now, this is important because uh, this is one of those areas where I see kind of like the overlap between individual therapy and couples therapy taking place. In both instances, one of the things that I believe a, a therapist can do is try to create the conditions within which people might start to be a little bit less defensive in relation to their unconscious, be a little bit less defensive in relation to these desires that this other part of them that has a mind of its own has, and is kind of like sneaking into their lives in different ways. So with a couple, for example, you might, they they might show up and they might one person and let's just say both just to keep this simple, you know, they say they're having problems communicating, they're fighting a lot. So on and so forth, right? They came there and they want to they have better communication. They want to fight less. That's to say that both sides of the couple believe this, right? That's what they say when they come in to see you. And then as you uh, talk to them, what you start to recognize is that they keep on having kind of like not the, the same version of the same argument about different stuff each time, but it's kind of like the same version of the same argument over and over again. And you kind of probe a little bit more. Eventually, one of the things that you kind of come to realize is that, that one, perhaps one person in this couple, what they're doing is their, their unconscious desire, their, the other part of them that has a mind of its own is there because it wants to look as if it's trying to save this relationship. But really what this other part of them that has a mind of its own actually desires is to get out of the relationship. It wants to get out, but it wants to get out without feeling guilty. It wants to get out without feeling like it's a bad person. It wants to get out and to be able to say to friends and family and other people, I did everything that I could and we couldn't make this thing work, right? That's something which is really going on there. That's if that's if Now, in this example, if that uh, is true, that other part of the person that has a mind of its own, that unconscious part, is going to keep on picking fights about different things. And even if you, the therapist, are able to interrupt that process and stop... One specific fight from happening, if you're able to improve their communication in in some way, in multiple ways, even, it won't matter because this desire to get out of the relationship without feeling guilty will continue to push and continue to assert itself and it'll find a new way to do it, right? Ultimately. And this is a really important thing. So uh, I could say more about this, but like I said, I wanted this to be kind of like a short podcast lecture. So I'm going to stop here and just kind of like let you all take this in. And I hope that you will come to class with some questions, comments, answers, criticisms, or concerns about this idea. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Until Saturday, whatever you're doing, I hope that you're having loads of fun. Take care. I wish Tracy Chapman was my friend She would know exactly what to say Beginnings always hide themselves in ends at some point I will be okay I got high <laughs> when I met you I got high to forget you I feel pain